Let's get this party started. Welcome to Tinsel Tunes. I am musician and producer Scott Newman. And I am musicologist Jay LaChapelle. Happy New Year, Jay. Happy New Year, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm trying to stay in the Christmas spirit with some Christmas music. How about you? I'm doing the same, and I am staying in the Christmas spirit by continuing to consume Christmas-related food. And uh, in fact, uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos just delivered a fresh, large metal container of Danish uh, sugar cookies or butter cookies, whatever. Butter those cookies, are. yeah. Yeah. So I'll be. Uh, I'm eating those. I've got uh, Christmas candy stocked up here. So I'm not. I'm not letting. I'm not going gently into this good night. Well, speaking of not going gently, I thought we would play a song today that's a little off the beaten path and not the most Christmassy song in terms of its content and its lyrics, but the song is undoubtedly a Christmas song. Right. Jay, have you ever loved something that you realize later is kind of mediocre? And the reason that you probably love it is because it holds a special place or a memory with your childhood? Yes. Yeah. Lots of things. And I think the word I would think of, Scott, is intrinsic value. You know, things that are very meaningful to you, but are not necessarily valuable to uh, the rest of the world. Okay. Film critic Alonzo Duraldi put it really well recently. I heard him say about a movie, was it great or were you eight? Yeah. And this particular song, I was probably about eight years old when I first heard it. And that song is Snoopy's Christmas. Are you familiar with the song? I am. I'm familiar with the song, and I am familiar with the universe of Snoopy and the intersection of his uh, military endeavors. Can you give us a little overview of what the song is about before we play the first clip of it? You bet. So, in the song, Snoopy and the Red Baron are engaged in a long dogfight, and ultimately, the Red Baron gets the best of Snoopy. But rather than shooting him down, he forces Snoopy to land, where the two have a toast together and then fly off in their separate ways. And we're going to get into the history of that and what the real-life analogy is. Why don't we first play some clips of the song so we get right into it? The news had come out in the First World War, the bloody Red Baron flying once more the allied command ignored all of its men and called on snoopy to do it again was the night before christmas 40 below when snoopy went up in search of his foe despite the red baron fiercely they fought with ice on his wings snoopy knew he was caught That was the first verse of the song, Jay, and I was thinking of the song as I first heard it as a child, and I was probably about eight years old. I'm sure you were similar because we're the same age. Right. I didn't understand the song as an eight-year-old. I didn't understand it about a war song. All I knew was Snoopy. I knew there were some cool sound effects of dogfighting and planes and machine guns in there, but I didn't get the larger picture. You were a smarter child than I was. Was that apparent to you? Yeah, no, and I, I, I don't think I, I would challenge that last statement, but it was not apparent to me. And one of the reasons why I, I like this song and I'm, I'm fascinated is probably the simplest word to use. I am fascinated by the universe of Snoopy as a World War One pilot. Yeah. And we're going to mention that in the history section, too, about where that came from. That first clip that we just played sets up the story and you gave us the overview the next verse talks about 
you know, the Red Baron getting the best of Snoopy and forcing him to land. So let's play that clip. The Baron made Snoopy fly to the Rhine and forced him to land behind the enemy lines. Snoopy was certain that this was the end when the Baron cried out, Merry Christmas, my friend! The Baron then offered a holiday toast And Snoopy, our hero, saluted his host And then with a roar, they were both on their way Each knowing they'd meet on some other day Now, I'm not sure that uh, having a toast and drinking alcohol and flying a plane is a great idea, but this was a different time. (laughs) This is still the time that doctors probably prescribed cigarettes. No seatbelts in airplanes yet. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. (laughs) We're going to get into the whole thing about the Christmas truce and and what this song is an homage to. But what I thought was really cool here, and I want to pay special attention to it because it's going to come up in your history section here, is it's the Red Baron who initiates the... I don't know, what do you want to call it? Calming of tensions here? He's the one that offers the toast. The ceasefire. The ceasefire, sure. Yeah, yeah. That mirrors the real life story, and we'll get to that in a little bit. This part went completely over my head as a child. Yeah, the whole thing went over my head as a child. and (laughs) uh, That's true. This fantasy that Snoopy was a World War I pilot was something that was woven into the Peanuts comic strip and then ultimately the TV shows. Yes. First in the Great Pumpkin and then in in successive uh, specials. Yep. So what's really important here is that as a child and still to this day to a certain extent, I didn't understand why that was happening. I didn't understand like that it was a fantasy cutaway. I just, you know, in my, you said I was a smarter child than you. I was probably a lot dumber in the sense that I didn't understand that Snoopy was dipping away for a fantasy. All I knew was that in the middle of the Great Pumpkin, he was fighting an air battle, and then we were back into the Great Pumpkin story, and it was kind of like, did I miss something here? So, Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I didn't understand that it wasn't real. Was he yeah. a fighter pilot? In, in, as an eight-year-old, I don't know. Yeah. And even the lyrics didn't make sense to me as a kid because uh, the lyrics say that the Red Baron forced Snoopy to fly to the Rhine. Well, obviously, that's the Rhine River. Right. I didn't know what the Rhine River was at an, as an eight-year-old. I thought it was the right. right. I thought that's what he said. And Correct. we didn't play the very beginning of the song. You're actually going to hear it in the next clip here. But the song opens up with a male choir singing O Tannenbaum. Mm. And there's a sound effect of explosions happening in the background. I was such a dumb kid that I thought it was O Tannenbaum, B-O-M-B. I thought... Yeah. The, the two were related somehow. Yeah. I just I just didn't know that Tannenbaum was a, a German word, uh, you know, for a Christmas tree. I think that's a pretty common interpretation, too. You know, I mean, okay. if you think about, like, you, you mentioned earlier, like, have you come to find something that was completely different or crappy or whatever? I think part of that, a thread of that is, yeah, after, and sometimes it's when you come to learn decades later that, oh, that's not the lyrics to that song, you know? Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Big old jet airliner is different than bingo jet got no light on, right? If you had to guess, Jay, how many times have you heard this song? Oh, I mean, it's too many to remember and uh, a lot. I would guess maybe a hundred at least in my life, probably more than that. But it's very easy to overinflate in your mind. Oh, I must have listened to it 10,000 times. Well, no, you probably didn't. But I know I've heard it hundreds of times. Is that the same as your experience? Yeah. And would you say at this point it's impossible for us to say because of how much time we spend listening to Christmas music? (laughs) That's true. We probably do hear it more 
than the average person because we traffic in more Christmas music than the average person. But here's my point on this. I never understood why there were sounds of explosions and Oton and Bomb at the beginning of the song. And it wasn't until I started doing the research for this episode, which was fascinating, by the way, that there's an entire three or four minute backstory to this song that appeared on a full album. And it sets up the entire thing and explains why it's there. Now, I don't want to bore listeners and play the entire thing, but I did bring a short clip of it that bleeds into the beginning of the song. Do you want me to play it? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. This is a a mock British news report explaining why this song is happening. Here we go. The sounds which I'm sure you must be hearing are coming from the direction of the truce tent, which has just been emptied of all its occupants. The truce talks are over. Here, in an official bulletin just handed me, is the news we have all been waiting to hear. The Christmas truce has been signed. And so, after a long and tedious... What's that? Oh, no, the, the planes and the aerodrome are all taking off. Colonel, hasn't the word of the truce reached them yet? Something has gone wrong. Stand by, please. And now, here, the bulletin just handed me, may be the reason of what our planes take to the skies. Due to a possible break in communications, the planes of the Richthofen Flying Circus have just been sighted, passing over the line. So the Baron is at it again, and the Allies have sent their planes skyward to meet the threat. We can only hope that all of the ships pass in the sky and return to base safely. Meanwhile, on the Western Front, the war has stopped, except for a scattered cannon fire on the horizon. Jay, I'm 45 years old, and I've heard this song hundreds of times. I never knew any of that existed. And I'll admit, it's not the most interesting or Christmassy thing. But as a fan of this song, that was incredible to find. What do you think of it? I think the guardsmen uh, went to some lengths to try to set this up for us, which we can appreciate. And and uh, true to form, like most people will never hear that because they're not going to play that cut on, on the radio at Christmas time, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I also found out that there is a version that has what is described as German muttering at the beginning. I could not find a clip. I looked for about an hour trying to find it. The translation is loosely something like, we're about to listen to a story about the great red baron and and some kind of dirty dog, you know, and I thought that was great. I really wish I could have found it. If anyone out there can find it, please, it would make my year to discover that. But that that whole backstory thing was just fascinating to me. If you and I'm gonna put the links in the show notes. So if you want to go see the audio clip as a YouTube video, you can see the entire thing. It it was really, really neat. Worth a watch. Jay, let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk about the band who recorded this song, The Royal Guardsman. All right, Jay, as our musicologist historian, can you give us a little bit of information on who The Royal Guardsman 
were and I guess are because there are two of them that are still alive. Yeah, so they're a six-piece band originally from Ocala, Florida. And if you think that they look, sound, or at all embody the spirit of the British invasion, that would be because that is very much who they modeled their sound aesthetic. And I think even the name of the band, the Royal Guardsmen, is kind of dripping with a European kind of flair and an Amer- for, for somebody yeah. who comes from Florida. Up until this week, I thought they were British. Yeah, same. Up until this morning, I thought they were British. And I had the show notes in advance. <laughs> I did I did find a neat line that explained where the name Royal Guardsman comes from. It's a model of amplifier made by Vox, which is a British company. Mm-hmm. And the, the amplifier was called the Royal Guardsman. The, the band took this name because it sounded British and gave them the illusion of being part of the British invasion. So why don't you continue? Yeah, absolutely. So Vox, a famously uh, vacuum tube amplifier, kind of famous for their sound too, right? You're as a guitar file, I think that would be right up your aisle. Yeah, not sponsored by Vox, but I'm for sale, Vox, if you're listening. Did you see in the show notes what the original name of the band was? Uh, The Poseman, right? Yeah. This information is blowing my mind. What is that supposed to mean, though? What is a Poseman? Do you have any idea what... I don't want to take us down another rabbit hole, but... P-O-S-M-E-N, Posman, Poseman. I'm not sure. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I think we're all lucky that they decided to latch on to the British invasion. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Here's another fact that's probably going to blow some people's minds. Did you know this song... Snoopy's Christmas is a sequel? Yeah, I did know that. that Obviously not before this. So this is there's multiple layers of this. And apparently the original song was Snoopy versus the Red Baron, which is kind of feels like what this song is about. So I'm a bit confused. Okay, let's clear it up then. Yeah, let's do that. In 1966, the Royal Guardsmen released a song called Snoopy versus the Red Baron. I brought a clip. And you're going to notice some obvious similarities to Snoopy's Christmas. What did you think of that, Jay? I like it's the same song. <laughs> it, it is. It is the same song without any references to Christmas whatsoever. I have to admit that I thought the song was really catchy. Yes. The song is extremely catchy and the driving, I don't know, you're the you're the uh the technical musician here like that driving rhythm of dun 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 dun. Yeah, it has a military cadence to it. Yeah. yeah. And even before this, like the last few days leading up to recording this episode, I've been marching around the house. <laughs> so Jay, this song reached number 2 on the Billboard Hot 100 and it remained there for 12 weeks. It was certified gold by the RIAA in February of 19 19- 67. That's pretty good accolades for this. Yeah, I would say so. And uh, just to be clear, the original Snoopy vs. the Red Baron or the Snoopy's Christmas version? Very specifically, it was this first song, Snoopy vs. the Red Baron, okay. that reached the Billboard Hot 100. And we'll get to why I say that in a minute. But this song started some legal problems. And I thought this was fascinating. I really didn't know anything about this. Did you? No, I, I didn't, but um, but continue. The song was released about a year after the first comic strip featuring Snoopy fighting the Red Baron. That appeared 
on Sunday, October 10th, 1965. So that was a year before this. And then the Royal Guardsmen released this song in 1966, but they didn't have permission to use any of the intellectual property of Charles Schultz or the United Feature Syndicate. So the Royal Guardsmen were sued by Schultz and the the UFC, the United Features Syndicate. So the song was released in the United States, but its release was blocked in Canada by this lawsuit. Interesting. So the Royal Guardsmen released a thinly veiled alternative version of this song called Squeaky versus the Black Knight. <laughs> and instead of Snoopy, it features a bucktooth beaver. And instead of the Red Baron, it features the Black Knight. Do you want to hear a clip? Yeah, please. Squeaky. Completely different song, right, Jay? Yeah, yeah, totally different. A bucktooth beaver. I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about how I would get excited about a song about a bucktooth beaver. Can you just like picture them sitting around their studio, like, all right, so what's it going to be? Like trying to come up with ideas and like how they finally landed on bucktooth beaver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that song actually got some popularity in Canada. Eventually, the United Feature Syndicate won their lawsuit, and the penalty was, according to the research I found, that all publishing revenues from the song Snoopy vs. the Red Baron would go to UFS, but Charles Schultz did allow the group to write more Snoopy-related songs after this. So finally, we've reached Snoopy's Christmas, which is the point of the episode today. Just a, one last point on the on the predecessors, the prequel songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to distinguish these. I, I, I would be surprised if people, like, I think people probably think of those two songs today as being interchangeable, the same song. Yeah. I actually had trouble while I was pulling down all the clips for this episode about which clip was I pulling, which yeah. one did I use. It was actually tough. I had to name them very specifically. So Snoopy's Christmas was written by the band's producer, Phil Gernhard and Dick Holler, and it was recorded in 1966. So that was a year after the first Snoopy comic strip where he fights the Red Baron. Earlier, we talked about the popularity of Snoopy versus the Red Baron. Snoopy's Christmas charted on several lesser known publications, but the song has never appeared on the Billboard Hot 100. Really? Yeah. It's misreported that it was probably because of what you were talking about, about how the songs get confused. But no, right. it, it never appeared on the Billboard Hot 100. For some reason, maybe Dwayne can write in and, and tell us uh, more about this. This song, Snoopy's Christmas, is extremely popular in New Zealand and Australia. I can't find any information about why that's the case. Yeah. It reached the number one position in the New Zealand and Australia singles charts in 1967, and it remains a popular song in those countries to this date. The song was the fastest-selling single yeah. at the time it was originally released, and it's estimated to be the biggest-selling overseas single sold in New Zealand in the 20th century. That's fascinating to me. That just, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a brighter minds will tell us what could describe. There's a, like a term for this phenomenon, but that just happens. You know, you, you discover these things that are... 
culturally significant in places in ways that you would never think. And uh, you know, one that always comes to mind is how spam is beloved in Hawaii yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a food, but probably not so much elsewhere. You know what I mean? It just depends on where you sit. And to put a cap on this whole New Zealand, Australia thing, the song frequently re-enters the New Zealand singles chart charting in December 1987, 1988, 1989, and 2013. Also, Snoopy's Christmas was voted the worst Christmas song of all time by readers of the New Zealand Herald in 2007. So I guess not everybody's a fan. I mean, no kidding. Harsh uh, harsh feedback, New Zealand. Yikes. I mean, listen, New Zealand, I have... Uh I take I take umbrage with that, first of all, because let me tell you something. Attention, New Zealand. As somebody who has listened to many of the worst Christmas songs of all time, you have no idea what you're talking about if you think this is the worst Christmas song of all time. I would listen to this song over Christmas shoes any day, any time. And honestly, the, the, the readers of the New Zealand Herald deserve to be flogged for voting yeah. this the worst. For shame, readers. Yeah, I got to. If we could get if we I, I think we need a representative from the New Zealand Herald to come on the on the podcast to explain themselves. All right, get our research department on that. There's one more interesting note about this region of the world, and that's about censorship. So the song's chorus refers to the Bloody Red Baron. You know what I'm talking about there? I do, yes. Okay, so bloody is considered a mild expletive in Australia and other English-speaking countries. The word was censored. It was bleeped out for radio airplay in Australia during the 1960s, and I actually have a clip of it. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I do. This really surprised me when I read the show notes. Yeah, don't get too excited, but here we go. The news had come out in the First World War. The Planet Baron was flying once more. The Allied Command ignored all of his men. So not the highest amount of technology used there for the bleeping. That was a pretty harsh sound. And I don't know about you, but if I heard that, it would really make me want to know what word was being bleeped out. Yeah, or it would just like make me insert whatever the worst thing I could think of was anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of like make, yeah. begs the question of whether or not you really accomplished anything with that. To wrap up the whole history section of the song, after this, there was a sequel. Did you know that? I did not, no. I did not either. This really blew my mind here. As we discussed, the Royal Guardsmen first released Snoopy vs. the Red Baron in 1966 and Snoopy's Christmas in 1967. Later in 1967, the group released a song called Return of the Red Baron. Let me play a short clip of that. You remember that Baron flying high in the sky When Snoopy shot him down with a gleam in his eye But the German had leaped from his blood-red plane Just before it burst into a ball Jay, I think the band saved a lot of money by reusing the same music over and over. I think that there's a pattern that we've discovered between one-hit wonder artists and their ability to bilk those songs for Christmas money. And if you pull up the Royal Guardsmen, you will find many other songs about Snoopy. <laughs> Not specifically this trilogy here of songs. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't bring any more. I think there's one called Down Behind the Lines. It's pretty bizarre. 
And I was doing this at 11 p.m. at night, and I was going down this rabbit hole of listening to all these Royal Guardsmen songs, and it was just it was just too much at one point. I, I just don't understand how what these guys were thinking when they wrote some of these words, and like did nobody question any of this? And I think because you drape this stuff in Christmas music, people just kind of bebop along to it. Yeah, no, and none of those are Christmas songs. And I hope our listeners will offer us a little bit of latitude by playing that prequel. Well, it wasn't truly a prequel; it came out before that first song and the third song. I understand those are not Christmas songs, but I thought they were kind of important to the story yeah. of the specific song, Snoopy's Christmas. The Return of the Red Bear in the 67, there's a verse there that's like, hey there, Snoopy, what's yeah. up, buddy? How <laughs> are you doing now? And I mean, it sounds like if you and I were like, let's cut a song, like record it live. Yeah, it sounds like Peter Griffin on Family Guy just riffing and, and trying yeah. to come up with, a, yeah. with words on the fly. Jay, that wraps up the history section. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll listen to a bunch of covers of Snoopy's Christmas. This is what everybody's been waiting for. Yes. Jay, we're finally back with the section that everybody's been waiting for. I found a bunch of covers of this song. Now, it's not as hard as you would think to find a cover of Snoopy's Christmas. Okay. But it is harder to find one's that are not heavy metal or, you know, like a hard rock version. And a lot of them sound very similar to the original. And I didn't think that would be very interesting if we just played 10 covers that sound exactly like the original. Would you agree with that? I would agree. And please tell me you found a death metal cover. Uh, There is a metal cover in here, but I found a variety of interesting covers. So why don't we play some of them here? The first one... I think you're going to be really surprised because I was really surprised. Okay. There's a version by Smash Mouth. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this one. All right, let's play this one. The news had come out in the First World War. The bloody Red Baron was flying once more. The Allied Command ignored all of his men and called on Snoopy to do it again. Twas the night before Christmas, fought it below. When Snoopy went up in search of his foe. So if the hard rock version isn't your forte, I have a bluegrass version by a band called Nothing Fancy. The Allied Command ignored all of its men and called on Snoopy to do it again. Twas the night before Christmas, 40 below, when Snoopy went up in search of his foe. He spied the Red Baron and fiercely they fought with ice on his wings. Snoopy knew he was caught Christmas bells, those Christmas bells Ringing through our land Bringing peace to all the world And goodwill to man Jay, that makes me want to go to a country fair and try to find the band called Nothing Fancy. Yeah, that's hoedown country right there, bro. The next version is a country version by a band called The Hanings. Snoopy, our hero, saluted his host. And then with the roar, they were both on their way. Just don't make me some of the day. 
So if bluegrass and country are not your forte, here's a weird one. This is a chiptune version done in the Sega Genesis style. Oh, yes! This is called Sonic's Christmas by a producer named Chad Gostel1995. Tune can be a little hard to listen to for extended amounts of time. So here's a ska version by a band called the Crisis Crans. News had come out in the First World War. The bloody Red Baron was flying once more. The Allied Command ignored all of its men and called on Snoopy to do it again. Twas the night before Christmas, 40 below, when Snoopy went up. In search of his foe, he spied the Red Baron, and fiercely they fought. With ice on his wings, Snoopy knew he was gone. I give a lot of credit to the bands who added the dogfighting sound effects to the song, because I really think that adds something to it. That was pretty fun. Yeah, it did. Here's one that's different. This is an acoustic and violin version by a band called Fogbone. <laughs> cool name. It was a night before Christmas, 40 below. Snoopy went up in search of his foe. He spied the Red Baron, and fiercely they fought. With ice on his wings, Snoopy knew he was caught. Christmas bells, those Christmas bells Rang out from the land Asking peace of all the Jay, let nobody say that we didn't do our homework and find a whole bunch of various versions of this song, huh? Yeah. Here's a ukulele version by a musician named James Beck. The Baron then offered a holiday toast And Snoopy, our hero, saluted his host And then with the roar, they were both on their way Each knowing that they would some other day have a punk version by a band named Jingle Punks, and this was suggested by Scott Leopold from the Holly Jolly X Masu podcast. Here we go. The Baron has Snoopy dead in his sights. He reached for the trigger to pull it up tight. Why didn't he shoot well? We'll never know. Or was it the bells from the village below? Christmas bells, those Christmas bells ring out from the land. And Jay, with all those versions, I think we saved the best for last here. This is a modern rock version, and it's by friend of the show, Rich Chambers of Santa's Rockin' Band. 
The news had come out in the First World War. The bloody Red Baron was flying once more. The Allied command ignored all of its men and called on Snoopy to do it again. It was the night before Christmas, 40 below, when Snoopy went up in search of his foe. He spied the Red Baron and fiercely they fought. With ice on his wings, Snoopy knew he would stop. I might be a little biased on that one, Jay, because we had Rich Chambers on a Jingle Jank episode recently. So if you liked that version, go check out uh, the recent episodes on JingleJank.com and you can find the link to the Rich Chambers episode. We did the entire Santa's Rockin' Band album. Rich is an awesome guy. His music is great, and we had a lot of fun doing it. That was easily, and I'm biased too, but that was easily my favorite of the covers. And I like to picture Rich in his garage surrounded by maple sugar candies, watching the Canucks on TV and just banging that out. And kudos, Rich. Beautiful. That was a great, great cut. So we brought about 10 versions, Jay. Which one, besides the Rich Chambers version, what did you like and what did you dislike with what we brought today? Uh, I did not care for the Smash Mouth version because I don't care for Smash Mouth. Um, right. Uh, I, I liked the two, – my two favorite would have to be uh, – aside from Rich, number one is the ukulele version. I really enjoy the sound okay. of ukulele. My son plays the ukulele, so I've got a fondness in my heart for it. Uh, close second would be Fogbone, the acoustic violin. So I think maybe I, I enjoyed the uh, – that was kind yeah, of in cool, terms of wasn't different, it? I mean, I think it's hard. I think those were the, the most unique, innovative covers that we heard. I liked the bluegrass version, which is strange because I don't really love bluegrass music, but there was something about it where the style of music fit well with the material being presented. I just thought it was a, a great combination there. And the other could one I like... Could it be I that liked, cadence? Sorry to interrupt you, but could it be that the bluegrass kind of shares that? Yeah, yeah. When you pick a banjo, it has a very staccato... Is that what that uh, is? Know, tink, 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 tink. Yeah. Very, very distinct picking style. And I, I thought that worked well. The other one that I liked was the chiptune version. Yeah. And I'm biased because I really like chiptune yeah. music. I didn't think it was the best version by any means, but it was the only chiptune version I found. So that one really impressed me. Yeah. And I can, you, you said this and we listened to it, that it can get, could get old or, or I can listen to chiptune music. It does. Yeah. Uh, ad infinitum. And that might just be because I'm a product of the Sega Genesis <laughs> or whatever, but I could just listen to that, that yeah. those beats over and over again. Well, that was Snoopy's Christmas, Jay. Any closing thoughts on the song or the the episode as a whole? I know it's not the most Christmassy song in the world, but it is a Christmas song by definition. And I don't know. I really liked it. So I, I hope other people do. It is, yeah, I, I really like this song. I'm fascinated by kind of the weirdness of how these things were combined and about how Charles Schultz Cho- chose to weave this fantasy of Snoopy's into his children's cartoon where Snoopy was a fighter pilot. Yeah, I wish I knew more information on why that ever originated. Yeah, there's some stuff written out there and there's actually, um, you can find a little bit more on it if you're interested in going down the rabbit hole, but that part really fascinated me. As And you know, this was really, you know, it's inspired by a moment in time when people were like, let's just not shoot each other for a day and celebrate Christmas and this armistice idea and um, and I think the way that the, uh, the song just pounds, it just really every, it just stays with you. And it's like, I will be hearing this song for probably days and weeks to come because I just really love the rhythm of it. And 
it's got such a mix of things that a fondness from childhood with Snoopy and everything. So it just plugs those chords, you know. It's also not a song that you hear very often in airplay. I don't right. see it on the Music Choice station. I don't hear it on Sirius XM. You cut. have to go looking for the song. At least I think so. Yeah, definitely. That was our show today. We hope you enjoyed it. Please visit TinselTunes.com to find links to all our social media accounts and all the episodes. You can email us at TinselTunesPodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the word about the show. Merry Christmas, everybody. Feliz Navidad.